morning. The Old Testament reading for this morning is from the book of Zephaniah, chapter 1, starting with verse 7. Be silent before the Lord God, for the day of the Lord is near. The Lord has prepared a sacrifice and consecrated his guests. And on the day of the Lord's sacrifice, I will punish the officials and the king's sons and all who array themselves in foreign attire. On that day, I will punish everyone who leaps over the threshold and those who fill their master's house with violence and fraud. On that day, declares the Lord, a cry will be heard from the fish gate, a wail from the second quarter, a loud crash from the hills. Wail, O inhabitants of the mortar, for all the traitors are no more. All who weigh out silver are cut off. At that time I will search Jerusalem with lamps and will punish the men who are complacent, those who say in their hearts, The Lord will not do good, nor will he do ill. Their goods shall be plundered, and their houses laid waste. Though they build houses, they shall not inhabit them. Though they plant vineyards, they shall not drink wine from them. The great day of the Lord is near, near and hastening fast. The sound of the day of the Lord is bitter. The mighty man cries aloud there. A day of wrath is that day. A day of distress and anguish. A day of ruin and devastation. A day of darkness and gloom. A day of clouds and thick darkness. A day of trumpet blast and battle cry against the fortified cities, and against the lofty battlements. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. The epistle lesson for this morning is from 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verses 1 through 11. Now concerning the times and the seasons, brothers, you have no need to have anything written to you, for you yourselves are fully aware that the day of the Lord will come like a thief in the night. While people are saying there is peace and security, then sudden destruction will come upon them as labor pains come upon a pregnant woman, and they will not escape. But you are not in darkness, brothers, for that day to surprise you like a thief. For you are all children of light, children of the day. We are not of the night or of the darkness. So then let us not sleep as others do, but let us keep awake and be sober. For those who sleep, sleep at night. And those who get drunk, get drunk at night. But since we belong to the day, let us be sober, having put on the breastplate of faith and love, and for a helmet, the hope of salvation." For God has not destined us for wrath, but to obtain salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ, who died for us, so that whether we are awake or asleep, we might live with him. Therefore, encourage one another and build one another up, just as you are doing. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. according to St. Matthew, the 25th chapter. Glory 
Jesus said, It will be like a man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted to them his property. To one he gave five talents, to another two, to another one, to each one according to his ability. Then he went away. He who had received the five talents went at once and traded with them, and he made five talents more. So also he who had the two talents made two talents more. But he who had received the one talent went and dug in the ground and hid his master's money. Now after a long time, the master of those servants came and settled accounts with them. And he who had received the five talents came forward, bringing five talents more, saying, Master, you delivered to me five talents. Here I have made five talents more. His master said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a little. I will set you over much. Enter into the joy of your master. And he also who had the two talents came forward, saying, Master, you delivered to me two talents. Here I have made two talents more. His master said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a little. I will set you over much. Enter into the joy of your master. He also who had received the one talent came forward, saying, Master, I knew you to be a hard man, reaping where you did not sow, and gathering where you scattered no seed. So I was afraid, and I went and hid your talent in the ground. Here you have what is yours. But his master answered him, You wicked and slothful servant, you knew that I reap where I have not sowed and gathered where I scattered no seed. Then you ought to have invested my money with the bankers, and at my coming I should have received what was my own with interest. So take the talent from him and give it to him who has the ten talents. For to everyone who has will more be given, and he will have an abundance. But from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. And cast the worthless servant into the outer darkness. In that place there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. This is the Gospel of the Lord. Grace, mercy, and peace be to you from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Last week's uh, epistle reading from 1 Thessalonians ended chapter 4 of Paul's letter with, Therefore encourage one another with these words. And I'd say that still today we need encouragement. After many natural disasters and wars and societal upheavals, with God's good creation being undermined, being redefined by a world that doesn't want to be fettered, that doesn't want to be hampered by labels like good and bad, or right and wrong, true, false, moral, immoral. Still today, maybe especially today, we need the encouraging words of St. Paul. And the encouraging words that Paul is talking about are his explanation of what will happen on the last day, as we read last week. That those who have died in the faith will be resurrected bodily, 
that at the trumpet blast and the shout of the archangel, we will be gathered to the Lord to meet him in the air with all the saints who have gone before us, and that we will always be with the Lord. These are encouraging words. And this week's reading of Paul from Thessalonians continues God's revelation to Paul on matters of the last day. Paul writes that that day is going to come unexpectedly. Nobody is going to go to bed that night saying, I think it's tonight. I think this is going to be it. I'm going to be ready. He says that because he, he, the way that he couches it is nobody goes to bed at night expecting a thief to break in. Right? How many of us went to bed last night and said, oh, tonight's the night. Call the cops. Thieves are going to break into my house. I don't think any one of us did that. None of us expected it. That's the point. Nobody expects the return of Christ. Now the last day is going to come unexpectedly like a thief. He says while people are saying there is peace and security then sudden destruction will come on them. That's the picture that we're given. It's so opposite. People resting in peace saying I'm so secure and then psh, the end comes. The thief breaks in or the um, soldiers break in or whatever happens. There's a warning here. And in it we hear echoes of the prophet Zephaniah, as he read, who spoke 650 years earlier, saying, At that time I will search Jerusalem with lamps, and I will punish the men who are complacent, those who say in their hearts, The Lord will not do good, nor will he do ill. In other words, either... They believe that there is no God to do good or ill, or they believe that he's not really concerned with what's happening here on earth, not concerned with their lives. They're certainly not afraid of his condemnation or judgment. Either he doesn't exist or he's hands off. But Zephaniah warns that the great day of the Lord is near, near and hastening fast, the sound of the day of the Lord is bitter. The mighty man cries aloud there. A day of wrath is that day, a day of distress and anguish, a day of ruin and devastation, a day of darkness and gloom, a day of clouds and thick darkness. This day, this last day, is hastening fast. Are we ready? Are we ready for that day to come? And are we surprised to hear that it's going to be a day of wrath? These words that Paul writes here, uh, that Zephaniah speaks, a day of darkness and gloom, a day of clouds and thick darkness, that could engender in our minds the look there on Golgotha. Take us there to that hill outside of Jerusalem where there are three crosses, uh, the two on the sides are uh, have thieves being crucified there. The center one occupied by a, a man from Nazareth in Galilee. 
And we might, might remember how the sun's light failed. It doesn't say the, the sky got cloudy. It says the sun's light just failed on that day. In the darkness, the Son of God is experiencing a torturous death. It's a day that's brought on by the sinfulness of the human race. It's a, a day when the very people that Jesus came to give life and salvation are taking life from him, putting him to death. And Christ, on that day, shed his blood like a lamb without blemish, like the temple sacrifices, and his precious blood will be life and salvation for all who believe. His blood is sufficient, we know, to cover every one of our sins. Isaiah says, by his stripes we are healed. By the sacrifice that Jesus made when he submitted himself to be nailed to the cross and crucified, all of our sins were paid for. And now you and I and all who put their faith and trust in Jesus Christ no longer live in darkness and gloom under God's impending wrath, no longer afraid of that condemnation and, just, and judgment. But we have been transferred, rather, into the kingdom of light, into his kingdom that is everlasting. In these last days of the church year, we read uh, about the kingdom of God in our gospel lessons and what it will be like. And in today's reading, Jesus tells the story of a master who goes away on a journey, leaves his servants entrusted with some riches, with some money, large sums, we might consider the sums to be something today for us like $500,000, $100,000, very substantial amounts. And then he just goes away, goes away for some time. When he returns, he settles accounts with his servants. And uh, in our society, we're very knowledgeable about money and interest and making money, investing. And that, that might not help us here with the parable. The first servant comes in and says, see, here are your five talents, and I've made five more. You gave me 500,000, I've got a million to give to you now. The second says, here are your two talents, I've made two talents more. And I think what Jesus wants us to see here is not the details. Uh, like the detail I pick up on is, wow, they both doubled their money, right? Wonder where they invested that. Wonder how they did that. How long did it take them, I wonder? Uh, maybe our greed gets some kind of foothold in our thoughts. Rather, in light of the third servant, I think that what Jesus wants us to see here is that two servants were active and one servant was not. Two servants took what was given to them and they did something with it. They were active. And one servant did nothing with it. The two who were active received what they had been given in faith, knowing the master. And this is in contrast to the third servant who returns the one talent to the master. He had dug a hole in the ground and buried it. And the point here is that he didn't do anything with it. He was like the one 
that Zephaniah speaks of who says the Lord will not do good nor will he do ill. That this third servant acted as though the master was never returning. He wasn't concerned about settling up. For him, the day of the master's returning was a day of darkness. A day of ruin and devastation. And look what he says of the master. Master, I knew you to be a hard man reaping where you did not sow, gathering where you scattered no seed. So I was afraid. Now what we know of this master, he seems to be anything but that. He entrusts his servants with great sums of money. He's very generous with them. He leaves them in charge. He goes away. Look how he treats the first two servants on his return. He says, enter into the joy of your master. Come, share my joy. You've been faithful over a little. I'll set you over much. What a wonderful master. What servant wouldn't want to serve a master like that? It certainly doesn't sound like that master deserves what that third servant says to him, to his face. The servant doesn't hesitate. He insults him. He says, you're a hard man, reaping where you don't sow taking what isn't yours. He says, I was afraid of you. But the master isn't hard. I mean, look at the way that he answers that third servant. You could have put the money in the bank and then I'd at least have my money and interest. That doesn't sound very hard. So the master, of course, we can think of the master as God. God has given to us also very generously He's given us all things, more than just what we need for this body and life, but he has given us all things in the death and resurrection of his son. He's given us the means of grace. He's given us baptism. He's given us his very, the son's body and blood in holy communion. He's given us the word. He's given us his spirit. He's put his seal on us called us by name, put his name on us, sealed us for eternal life. So in this analogy, the first two servants recognize his generosity and they go out and they make use of these gifts, including making use, I think we could, if this is an analogy, making use of the sacraments, hearing the word of God, worshiping, receiving the forgiveness of sins, the strengthening of their faith. This is what the two servants were doing. They recognized that they have a father who has gifted them with literal talents and abilities. And in thanks they have gone out and used those gifts for the kingdom, confident in their loving father. The unfaithful servant is the one who doesn't see God in this way, who doesn't understand the generosity that God has shown to him doesn't see his need for Christ's sacrifice who thinks that God is a hard master. And when the day of judgment comes, he's going to find just that, that God is a hard master. God will demand an accounting for his sins and for that unfaithful servant 
For the one who does not have faith in God, faith in Christ, the day of judgment will be a day of wrath and a day of darkness. But be encouraged, dear saints of God, because God has not destined us who have faith for darkness and wrath. He has destined us instead for light and joy. The Master will return, and we don't know what day that will be. Whether that will be today before this sermon ends, or whether it will be next week, during the Thanksgiving feast, whether it will be a thousand years from now. It will be like a thief in the night. In other words, an unknown, unexpected time. Paul says it will be while people are saying there is peace and security. In other words, people are going to be complacent. The master is not coming. But dear Christian friends, we are not in darkness, as Paul says, to be surprised by that day because we are children of the light, children of the day. Our master is not hard and demanding, and for those who trust in Jesus, their sins will not be counted against them. Rather, he has removed the burden of our sin from us, the chains of death that were wrapped around us that were dragging us down into the grave. They are gone. Christ broke those chains. Paul says, We are not destined for wrath, but to obtain salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ, because our Master is also our loving Father. And He has given us the breastplate of faith and love, and for a helmet, the hope of salvation, Paul says. And these are not offensive weapons, these are defensive weapons. Satan and the world and our flesh are against us, beating against us. Satan hurls his lies at us, makes an assault on our very relationship with God. He'll try to make us think that our salvation is about something else, that our salvation is about what we do, what kind of people we are, that our works are what will make our master happy when he returns. But the breastplate of faith and love will protect us from the devil's lies. And our faith will point us to Jesus, to the object of that faith, to his sacrifice on Golgotha in that darkness, showing us that that is what makes God happy with us. He may try to discourage us and bring his club down on our head, whispering in our ear that we're no good, that we're failing to please God, that we're not worthy of his grace, his love. But the helmet that we wear, that hope of salvation, again points us to the cross so that we can laugh at the devil's accusations. Say to Satan with Martin Luther, So what? So what if I'm a sinner? For I know one who has made propitiation for my sins. His name is Jesus Christ, Son of God, and where he is, I shall be also. Now our sins should grieve us, but they should not weigh us down because they have all been laid on Jesus, all been forgiven in the blood of the spotless Lamb of God, fully paid for, removed from us. Be encouraged, dear saints, as you await the glorious day of the Master's return, for God has not destined us for wrath, but to obtain salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ, 
who died for us so that whether we are awake or asleep, we might live with him. Be encouraged, for all those who have faith in Jesus Christ will hear on the Master's return, well done, good and faithful servant. Enter into the joy of your Master. Amen. Now may the peace of God, which passes all understanding, keep our hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Amen.